<laughs> oh, hallelujah. Well, I would invite you this morning to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4. You've been around me very long. You know how dominant the teaching gift is in my life. And uh, teaching is a profoundly important flow. How many of you know God's people need teaching? You know, in our circles, because we've, we've come into some light knowledge, God has put us with a group of believers, I'm so glad about it, that, that has come to know and understand that teaching's not all we need. That there are other gifts and other, there's a flow and a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we, we like that, we long for that, uh, when it's God's will, right? For however He wants to move and manifest Himself for that to happen. If that's not you, you may have come to the wrong church this morning. Hallelujah. But uh, we should not, people like us, uh, should not ever let ourselves despise the teaching flow. Longing for the other ways that the Holy Ghost would move. Amen. Because when you're sitting under the teaching of the Word that's anointed by the Spirit, and I'm doing my best for that to be (laughs) the case, uh, then do you know that you're sitting under the works of Jesus? Over two-thirds of what Jesus did in the earth was not just move with the gifts and move with the healing power of God and work miracles, but two-thirds of what He did was preaching and teaching. Amen? Amen. The Bible says that He went about the cities and the villages preaching in their synagogue, teaching in their villages and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So of the three things He did, two-thirds of it was preaching and teaching. Amen. And that's what most of us, we have to have our mind renewed. We have to learn about the ways of God, the principles of God. It is a paramount flow. What am I saying? Today's not that day. You know, in my going about, my preparing this weekend, checking my heart, he just began to nudge me and urge me that he had just something different for us today. Amen. You know, we're not one of these, uh, and don't get nervous, praise God. But, uh, you know... Uh, we're not one of these churches that says, well, we don't want any of that Holy Ghost stuff on our Sunday morning service. That's, no, I can't even teach without the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't want me teaching without the Holy Ghost, I promise you. <laughs> Amen. We'll say, okay, Pastor, what is it? What is it? What's, what's up? Well, God began to remind me and urge me along on the inside about something He said to me out in California uh, for the last several years, I've had the privilege of going to the Bible school. My wife and I are going back in October in California at uh, World Harvest Bible Training Center. Elizabeth's going there. She's getting ready to move to California for two years. Yeah. And uh, so I spend a lot of time. I teach three hours every morning. And so I spend a lot of time. I don't go to the beach. I stay in my hotel room and pray and study. And I was doing that. And the word of the Lord came to me. And I just went over to my computer and got quiet and I just typed what I heard him say. And would you, I want you to, I want to relate this to you. And so you have to listen to me. There are, he spoke to me on two occasions, one right after the other, about the anointing to prosper. The anointing to prosper. And you may not know that that's a thing, but you'll find out today. We'll give you enough of the word. Uh, But God wants me to remind you today that there's an anointing to prosper. On my wife and I, for you. Amen. 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 And that, as you'll hear in a moment, that if you'll believe that and receive it, not buck up against it, that that anointing will 
just like the teaching anointing on my life, just like the healing anointing on my life, that if you'll receive it, grab hold of it, not mock it, not question it, but just grab hold of it, that that anointing will come into your life in a greater way and in a stronger way. And, well, I'm going to let the Lord say it to you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. This is the second utterance, I believe, but because of what he said, then I'll back up to the first utterance. It's, it's a couple of paragraphs, so just bear with me. I'll read this to you. Amen. So I'm just going along, and I go over, and I can hear God, not in an audible voice, but just rising up on the inside of me inside, and I heard Him speak. Not here, but in here in my heart. And He said, yes, there is an anointing to prosper. You've been calling it the blessing. Now, I had been studying on that, and in 2018, I got to teaching on the blessing and prosperity, and I taught over 35 messages in, in 2018. On that subject, if you want to get all that, it's all in our archives. But anyway, you've been calling it the blessing, and that's right and true. But right on the other hand, there is an anointing to prosper. For every yoke and every burden has an anointing to destroy that yoke and to remove that burden. Now that's Isaiah 10, 27. You're in Luke 4, 18. But remember, the Bible says that their yoke, talking to Israel, the yoke of the Assyrians shall be rem- removed. And the, yoke, the burden shall be removed from off thy shoulders and uh, the yoke destroyed from off thy neck because of the anointing. Yes. So according to Isaiah 10, 27, we know this about the anointing. It removes burdens and it destroys yokes. Anybody humble enough and just earthly enough and common sense to know that not having enough money to feed your family and do right and go where you want to go... And, Amen. That that's a burden. Lack. Poverty is a burden. It's not a blessing. It's a burden. It's a yoke about our life. Well, if there's a yoke, God says there's an anointing to destroy that yoke. If there's a burden, then there's an anointing to remove that burden from off your life. Amen. And so he's talking to me about this. Then he says something to me. He says, you know well, Owen, Amber and I, we do. You know well the yoke. And the burden of lack. And, the thing, and things being straightened and tough in the financial realm. And we did. It's the anointing to produce the promise of the blessing that comes in and destroys the yoke and the burden of the curse of lack and want. Did, and then we're about to read it, Did I not say, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to what? Preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel is the cure for lack. As you preach, listen carefully, as you preach the message of prosperity to your congregation, the anointing is there to destroy the yoke of poverty in their lives. The anointing to remove the burden of lack is there, and if people will sit under that message with their hearts wide open and their faith active to receive, they will partake of that anointing. Did you get that? Now, if this, I don't know, is this in our prophecy book, Mom? Are you aware of that? If it's not, I'll be happy to add it to it. You guys can get your own copy. Praise God. And so anyway, if they will sit under that message with their hearts wide open and their faith active to receive, they will partake of that anointing and it will work. And it will flow. And it will do a work in them and for them. Come on. Just like the healing anointing. When it's in manifestation, it is there to drive out sickness and to destroy the yoke of disease. That's what the healing anointing does. Isn't that right? Yeah. 
so too the anointing to prosper comes as you preach it to the poor. That's how that anointing works. Listen to what he said. It's kind of sad, but it's true. Many will not receive it. And that's always been true. But many will. You all have to decide who you are this morning. But many will. And many shall be blessed as they mix their faith and respond to that anointing that comes when this message is preached. So preach it. Preach it and expect that anointing to come in great... Now this is what I expect this morning. Now I was planning on teaching on faith. I got a good message on faith ready this morning. Amen. But the Spirit said, no, not today. See, I told you, you'd be glad you came today. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. He said, the anointing to come in great power and ability to do a work, it's a signed work. I'm believing that's going to flow in your life today. Amen. How many of you would be okay for a grace from God, a power from God to move into your life in a stronger way? And to remove, it's like a seek and destroy power from God. Oh, there's lack in this area. Break that off. Remove that burden. (laughs) Get them past this debt. Get them past this lack. Oh man, praise God. A lot of people fight against it in the body of Christ. I don't know why. Ignorance. Anyway, preach it and expect that anointing to come in great power and ability to do a work. It's a sign work to usher in a new condition in the lives of my people. A new day of blessing, of supply, and ability to enjoy the blessings. You know, some of you work and you have things, but you work so hard you don't have any, you don't have any grace or energy left to enjoy what you got. That's not being blessed. God wants, it's one thing to be able to have and attain a thing, but a lot of people, they're not graced or anointed to enjoy what they have. They just work. They just toil. They just pay bills. And that's, work is honorable. Paying bills, that's right, you should. But God's got greater for us. He wants you to be able to enjoy your wife and enjoy your children and do good things for your grandkids and buy yourself something every now and then. Amen. And fund the work of God. Hallelujah. A new day of blessing, of supply, and of ability to enjoy the blessings, but also to be a blessing in this day and hour as funders of the air. Now, when God tells me to, now visitors, you just have to understand that every month for several years now, because of projects that God has had us do, facility-wise, we take a special projects offering every month, and today's that day. At some point, we're gonna, when God tells me, we're going to receive that. Now, this, this flow is not attached. I'm not trying to attach this offering to you right. giving something. That's not right. what this is about. Right. You don't have to give anything in this special projects offering and I'm going to minister to you by the Holy Ghost if you want me to. Yeah. At the end, lay my hands on you. That's what God wants me to do today. Lay my hands on you. For a blessing for the anointing to prosper on your life. Amen. But see, it can't just be about me and mine and not having lack. God cares about that. But you also have to be interested in, I want to fund. I want to fund the local church. I want to fund the orphanage in India. I, 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 want to, I want to be a part of being a blessing and a funder of what God's doing in these last days. Amen. If that's not your heart, then you've you got something you need to tweak in there. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Okay, then previously, and this was a different time. Uh, 
This was on February 1st, 2017. And this is the first that God dealt with me along this line. It's shorter. This is what God said. Same thing. Went over, type what I heard in my heart. For now, that prosperity anointing has come upon you to abide. For you and your wife, he's speaking about both of us, have been tested and tried. You've been long faithful to pay your tithes. And you've been faithful to give offerings as I have led you and instructed. So now I'm bringing you to a greater hookup. Now you're connected to a greater channel. And in that channel shall flow greater resources than you have ever known heretofore. Now what are we almost, we're four years into that, four years plus. We, it has come to pass, hasn't it? We are now, there is a flow of finances in our ministry, in our life, flowing and has been and only going to get greater. This has, this has come to pass. Amen. And, and will continue to come to pass, I trust. Amen. A greater channel, resources, greater resources than you've ever known heretofore. For you are one that I shall use as an example of my will in this area of supply. But know that criticism shall increase and even become great. But you keep your mouth shut. That's what he said. I'm just going to tell you what he said. Criticism will become great, uh, will increase and become great. You keep your mouth shut and let your life be the answer to those who would criticize. But many will come and be blessed through their connection and association with you. And that anointing shall come upon them and they too shall come up to a new level of supply for this era and for these last days, saith the Lord. Amen. Now, my job is not to make you, win you to my side on this. I, I'm like Dr. Dufresne said, I'm FedEx guy. I'm like Fox News. I report, you decide. Amen. You know, and I understand that a lot of the criticism that comes to against the prosperity message, listen, there's error out there. There's been minister mishandling and gimmicks and all kinds of junk, especially on Christian TV. That I don't approve of them, please don't put me in that camp. I don't watch Christian TV. I'm so turned off by it. Just have you know. So don't lump me in that group. At the same time, prosperity is not a false doctrine. It's all over the Bible. I mean, if wealth, and I mean wealth, is sinful, then God has aided and abetted in people's sin because Job was the richest man of the East and all he got all his money from God. Solomon had so much money, they didn't know what to do with the silver. They just piled out back like we got topsoil out here. They didn't know what to do with it. So if, all that, if that kind of opulence and wealth is sinful, then God aided and abetted because Solomon said he got all that wealth from God. Hello. Did you find Luke? If you hadn't found Luke yet, I don't know what to tell you. Praise God. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Amen. 11.34 on the back wall. Everybody good? Yeah. Glory to God. Are you, are you open at least? Yeah. Amen. Look at what Jesus said in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book or the scroll of the prophet Esaias. That's King James for Isaiah. And when he had opened the book... He found the place. Now notice this. He found the place. In other words, he's looking for a specific yeah, passage in this yeah. scroll, this 
prophetic writing of Isaiah the prophet. So he looked for it and he found the place where it was written. And then verse 18, this is the quote from Isaiah, I think chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen? Because, now notice the word, He has anointed me. Who did? The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord had come upon Jesus and anointed Him. What is the first thing He mentions that He is anointed to do? To preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the gospel to the poor. What does the word gospel mean? It means good news. It translates good news. What would, somebody in the back tell me, what's good news to a poor man? You don't have to be a PhD or a doctor in theology to figure that out. What's good news to a poor man? You don't have to be poor no more. That's good news to a poor man. Is that right? I know I'm just an Okie from Muskogee. I'm a simple man. I'm a Kentucky boy now, but I mean, that's just what it says. What is the very first thing Jesus said? The Holy Ghost has come upon me and anointed me to proclaim a message of good news to poor people. Oh, but he's talking about being poor spiritually. No, he's not. How do I know that? Because of all the other verses. Get my book. Get Reverend Joel Siegel's book, Volume 1, Volume 2, Rich and Richer. That's what he called it. And in there he gives 25 different Bible reasons why it's God's will for you to be rich. What does the word rich mean? To have a full supply. That's all it means, to have a full supply. Amen. I've been, I'll tell you a little bit, Lord permitting, about our journey. But like he said, we know what it's like. We, have, we went several years here at the church where we never saw the black financially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was only because of God's grace and the, uh, a savings account and the skillfulness of our accounting people. Yeah. Right. We ne- were never behind, but we were never on the books. I mean, for several years in a row. I thought that was unusual when Pastor Nancy was here. I, we brought that up in conversation. She said, oh, you got off light. That was her. You know, we went decades like that. We just kept going, just kept being faithful, kept doing, kept obeying God. Amen. Amen. And, you know, uh, I, I felt for Amber and the others that were involved with their finances at that time because, you know, you had to go in on Monday by faith. You had to have faith to do the church books. You know, it's just no fun looking at the bottom. Look at, think about your own things that you've been through. Was it, was it just full of joy, glory to God? Oh, we're looking at the bottom. We got, yeah, I can see the bottom of the checking account. It's right there all shiny. And I'm not talking about for a week or two weeks. I'm talking about month after month, year after year. And then th- things come up you want to do. Think you you want to take your kids and have, make memories and have vacations like other, but you can't because it's tight. I've been there. I, and not for two weeks. And we built this building, we tied, we, we sowed seed, we didn't steal anything from the church. We just, we just did our best. Yeah. We just stood in there and preached prosperity the whole time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So we know what it's like. Yeah. But we also know you have to use your faith not to get down, not to get discouraged, not to be depressed, not to wonder, you know, what you're doing wrong. But I thank you today, that anointing to prosper. That came on our life. Now, all of us are anointed to prosper to a degree because we're children of God and the blessing of God's on us. Amen. Amen. But then there are times where God just wants to, 
you know, raise up some ministers to help get some things to his children. Hey, are you all with me today? Amen. Glory to God. We're nothing special. We've just endeavored to do what God's told us to do. Amen. But do you see, he goes on and talks about he's also anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. He's anointed to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are abused. But if you notice the last thing, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The people have missed this. They've missed this. The beginning and the end of what he talked about has to do with financial blessing. What does he mean? He's anointed to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You have to know something about your Bible, your Old Testament, know what he's talking about. The acceptable year of the Lord is an Old Testament reference to the Jubilee. The Jubilee. God instituted a Jubilee. Every seven years there is to be a release. And every 50th year, I mean it's mega release. If you've got debt, it's canceled. If you lost land because you couldn't pay your bills, it was given back to you. If you lost your children to sleep, if you didn't pay a bill, they didn't just hurt your credit score. They took your kids as slave labor until the bill was paid off. Well, on the Jubilee, you got your kids back. You got your land back. You got your debts wiped out. It's called the Jubilee of God. And Jesus in the New Testament, we're not waiting for no seventh year. We're not waiting for no 50th year. Jesus is our Jubilee. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you've had things lost, if you've had the devil, or if you've made mistakes and bad business decisions or your parents and lost inheritance, God wants to be your Jubilee. So notice how he began and how he ended. He said, I am anointed to preach the good news to the poor and I am your Jubilee. Come on. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Can you take a little more? Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Oh, we don't have time, but you should read the whole chapter. God outlines His dealings with the children of Israel again. And how God brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And He brought them over into the wilderness to test them. To prove them. To find out what what kind of metal were they. What kind of heart did they have. He found out too. They were rebellious, (laughs) disobedient, unbelieving, whiners, gripers, and complainers. That's what He found out they were. And that's why He couldn't bring them into the land. But He promised to. And He did. He brought their children in. Amen. And uh, so praise God. In verse, let's begin reading in verse number 11. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 it says, Beware that you forget not the Lord your God, in not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you are eaten and are full, and you've built goodly houses. What kind of houses does He want you to have? One about to fall down? No, a goodly house. Come on, and dwell therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply. Now, maybe you don't want herds and flocks. Well, we got to think about your 401k and your, your, your investment account. Multiply. And thy silver and thy gold. Oh, I don't want any of that old world's good. Well, God, God wanted His people to have some of this world's goods. People need to renew their mind. How are we going to buy satellite time? How are we going to buy HD cameras? How are we going to feed the hungry? How are we going to clothe the naked? How are we going to build the buildings for all the people? How are we going to make disciples? How are we going to do all that broke? And can I tell you something? 
you don't have to raise your hand, but I'd like to know if I knew who the worst, the critic was, the skeptic was, the biggest skeptic in here if we had one. I'd say, brother, sister, you believe in prosperity? How many raises have you turned down? That's what I want. How many raises have you turned down? How many bonuses have you slid back across to the desk and say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. Or I mean, boss, I'm a Christian. And I don't want any, you know, I, I need a paycheck to, to eat. But I don't want, I don't need this bonus. I'm, uh, uh, because I don't think it will help me be high, holy and pious. And I believe in poverty. How many of you, you took that and you went, glory? How many, how many of you have gotten a bonus and you cashed it? Come on. How many in here have never turned down a raise? Come on, be on it. I mean, you know what that tells me? You believe in prosperity. How many of you went on and became a partner with the ministry? How many of you went on you tithed on that bonus? How many of you went with this greater ability you went and did something good? Everybody believes in prosperity. It's only when some people get into church that they want to get religious and act like money. You can't go anywhere in this city and not talk about money. I go to the park, your taxes paid for that park. I get out, I can go for a drive. You've got to have gas in the car. And your taxes and mine paid for that road. You're going to go out to eat after this? You better be ready to talk about money. Oh, but bless God, we can't come to the church house to talk about money. No, we've got to put a little box on the back wall and say nothing about it. That's just bunk, junk. Cowardly preachers. I'd had my fill of it. Can you tell? I just wish people were honest. We all believe in prosperity. <laughs> and you know what's great? The Bible's for it. God is for your prosperity. Let me tell you what He's not for. He's not for you running after money to the neglect of your fellowship with Him. He is not for you sinning to get money. He's not for you chasing money to the degree that you can't ever come to the house of God. He is not for you having money and not caring about the minister who is not supposed to be out working but praying for you and studying the Bible and preaching to you. That, he is not for covetousness. He is not for greed. He is not for selfishness. But He is intensely into your blessing. I mean, come on. He paved His streets with a kind of finest quality. Heaven's concrete is transparent gold. You say, Pastor, when are you going to pray? Lay hands on me. Well, I've got to get you in. Seriously. I'm going to, but I want you to come expecting. I want you to come believing. I want you to come knowing that it's good and it's God and it's right for, to believe for God to get involved with your life in a supernatural way to move you forward financially and materially. Those of you who are right-hearted and you care about God and you want to do right by your family and you want to be a generous person and you want to be a, a kingdom funder, then God says, I want, to, I want you to have some money. He does not want money to have you. 
He, but he wants you to have some money. But he, and he tells them, beware, because you're coming into a good land. Beware that you don't forget me. Verse 14, then your heart be lifted up in pride and you forget the Lord your God. You start saying, uh, look what I did. No, you better not start thinking like that. Skip down to verse uh, 18, 17. And you shall say in your heart, see he's warning us, my power, my power, and the might of my hand. You know, a lot of men, God bless you, me too, we stumble into this. Hey, that's my money. I worked hard for that money. That's my money. I, me, mine. He just said, lest you say, by the power of my hand, by the power of my might, I have gotten me this well. Well, who, who keeps your heart beating? Who is the one sustaining your life? Who is the one that opened the door to get you that job? Who gave you that idea? Who gave you that favor when you got that job and someone else didn't get that? Who gives you the ability to get up every day in the, and work and, and, and do the things you do? It's in Him that we live and move and have our being. You'd have not even breath. You'd fall on the floor in a heap. You'd be a blubbering idiot without the grace of God every moment of your day. Me too. So men, women too, we should not say, that's my money. I earned that money. I worked hard for that money. No, it's all God. It belongs to God. Thank God for what you did. Thank God for how you yielded and cooperated. But if it was not for God's grace and God's help and God's ability, we couldn't put two coherent sentences together. Amen. Now here's why I brought you here, verse 18. But you shall remember that the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power, ability, anointing, to get what? Not to get coupons. I'm not against couponing, but don't let couponing create a poverty mentality in you. Now, I know that was all the rage. We got into that in a while. My, my wife was sitting at the table clipping coupons. And I mean, for a while, I mean, we had a millennial, you know, stash of stuff we did not need. But bless God, we didn't pay for it. We got it from a coupon. Hallelujah. I mean, we brought home food we didn't even want to eat. But we got it with a coupon. It's fine to save money. It's fine to be a good steward. I believe in that. But he said, I've given you the power to get wealth. Power to get wealth. This is the power, a God-given, God-motivated, God-supplied ability from Him to produce prosperity in your life. So yeah, He wants to use you. Yeah, you're an agent. You're a, you, you have a part to play. But this is another verse that indicates to us, even way back here under the old inferior covenant, that there is an anointing, an ability from God to prosper. Go over to Proverbs, uh, not Proverbs, Deuteronomy 28. You're there in that chapter. Just go to 28. You're doing good, church. I hope our, I hope our visitors are having a good time. This is a, this is a good little sample of how we roll around here. Hallelujah. Amen. God is so wonderful. 
I just wish we'd take our religious glasses off and just read the Bible. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number 12. Now, I don't have time to, this again, very, very good whole passage, but, you know, in the beginning he said, it'll come to pass if. It'll come to pass if. It'll come to pass if. If you, not me, if you hearken, listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God and observe to do, to do, to do. If you'll do, if you'll listen and you'll do, then all these blessings shall come upon you. Come on. Look, you get the anointing to prosper flowing in your life. These things are chasing you. You're not chasing them. This is to be the difference between a Christian and a sinner. I'm chasing God. I'm chasing God. I'm chasing the plan of God. And blessings are chasing me. But the devil has hoodwinked so many people and they're out chasing things. And breaking their body down. Their family suffers. Their spiritual life never gets developed. Because they're chasing things. When God said, seek ye first me and my kingdom. Amen. Look at verse number 12, though. He starts listing all these blessings. Look at verse 12. The Lord, who? Okay, the front row got it. How about somebody in the back? The, who? The Lord. Can you all hear everyone say, the Lord? Thank you. The Lord. Shall open unto thee, you, His good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his seed. So they were farmers back then. And to bless all the work of thine hand. What does God want to do? Bless the work of your hand. In other words, yes, you're doing something, but God gets on it. God gets on it. And I tell you, when God gets on what you put your hand to, the results are going to be far greater than what you could do by the sweat of your brow alone. Well, there's so much I could say about that, but I've got to say one or give you a scripture or two more, and then I'm I'm going to minister to those that would have me do that. Go to Romans chapter one with me. I, I want to finish by helping you to have expectancy about what we're about to do, and that is laying, laying my hands on you. What, how's that going to help me? <laughs> well, <laughs> marvelously, if you'll know what, what God's ordained. Now, again, you're going to Romans. I'm in Romans. But in Hebrews 6, we find out that the laying on of hands is an elementary doctrine of Christ yes. in the New Testament. So it's not for pseudo-spiritual congregations like us, but not for mainstream. No, the laying on of hands is as foundational and elementary of a doctrine as is those other doctrines mentioned in that chapter, like faith toward God, repentance of sin, water baptism. And yet it's not preached and taught on very much. So the, uh, uh, you know, the congregations, they don't, they don't know how to approach the laying on of hands. They just kind of come, okay, he told me to come. I'm going to mm-hmm. come. Everybody else is coming. And, and then nothing much happens. Amen? You know, I got filled with the Holy Ghost when Pastor Hagen Jr. laid hands on me. I've been healed when other men have laid hands on me. My spiritual father. 
He'd like, and I have spiritual gifts and equipment that I didn't have. And they didn't come through a man or from a man, but they came through a man. They came from God through a man, through the laying on of his hands. And it's thoroughly scriptural. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse number 11. Look at what it says. Paul said to the Christians in Rome, For I long to see you, that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Wow. Now notice, he goes on and says, That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. So Paul said something interesting here, didn't he? He said, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. I, I need to see you. That word see in the Greek means to perceive something about you by the Spirit. Amen. That's why it's important for you to let the man or woman of God see your face. It's one of the limitations of live stream. You're there hearing me, but I can't see your face. And so unless something beyond this word kicks into operation, I can't see your faith and perceive something by the Holy Ghost that you might need, that God might use me as a minister to get to you. Amen. You don't come to church because it's comfy for you on the couch or whatever. Then like today, you're going to miss an opportunity to get an impartation. Notice he said that I might impart. Notice it didn't hurt him. He said, it's going to help you. This is going to establish you in some things. Amen. 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 And uh, so praise God. And no doubt, one of the things I'll show you here as you go to kind of our closing scriptural location, go to 2 Timothy. And we're going to read a scripture, then 2 Timothy, then 1 Timothy, and then we'll be done with that. But these things primarily happen through the ministry of the laying on of hands. Y'all with me? But notice even that operation, Paul said, I've got to be there. I've got something from God. I want to impart something to you that will help you. It'll help establish you. But you have to be there. And then he said, it'll be by the mutual faith of you and me. So it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to work right by just Paul's believing. You have to come to the ministry line believing. Come to the ministry line expecting. And in this flow, I will tell you what you should expect. Amen? Amen. Amen. So over here, Timothy is a spiritual son to Paul. He is in the ministry. He's a a teenager uh, pastoring the largest church in the world. Mm -hmm. And he's discouraged uh, by the intense persecution. And Paul is writing by the Holy Ghost to encourage him. Verse 5, 2 Timothy 1, 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned or the sincere faith that is in you, which dwelt first in, my, in your grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. Notice spiritual things, they can come, you can pass them down. Yeah. Grandma, Mama, now Sonny Boy's got it. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's the way God wants it to be. Yeah. Amen. He said, I am persuaded this same faith is in you also. Wherefore, look at verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in thee, how did it get in him? By the putting on, my Bible says, by the putting on of my hands. Notice, not by my feet. Not by my my shoulder. Not by my talking into a camera. 
Hey, and listen, thank God for the live stream. But it's not everything. Our live stream is an outreach. It's a window to the community that they can peer in and say, ah, maybe I like that. Or it's for truly shut-in folks. Or people recur- recovering from sickness. Or they're, tr- they're on vacation legitimately and they can stay connected. But it will never, never, ever replace being there. I'm not mad at anybody, but... Our generation needs to hear this. Christians need to hear this. Live stream is no substitute. And if it becomes too much of a crutch, I want to say it again as a threat. I will shut it off. I will shut it off. Now that would be, that would be hurtful to those who legitimately use it. So I don't want to do that. But don't abuse it. Be scriptural. Amen? So back to this real quick. Timothy has a gift from God. And Paul said it's in him. But how did it get in him? Paul laid his hands on him and God used that as a channel to get that spiritual gift in him. Hallelujah. Now I looked up this word gift this morning in the Mount's Greek Dictionary of New Testament words. And this is what, how he defined the word gift. Oh, bear with me. Sorry. Mounts defines it this way. It is a divinely conferred endowment from God. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know what an endowment is, right? So several years ago, this lady, very rich lady, she passed away. And when they started reading her documents, they found out that she endowed Vanderbilt University with $400 million. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you know with an endowment, now Vanderbilt University can do what they could not do before? They could build a premier seven-story research facility, stock it with the most technologically advanced equipment, hire researchers the best in their field, and fund them for 25 years to discover break. They can do things. See, with an endowment from God, you can do things. Hallelujah. Like prosper. That you couldn't do before. Last verse, 1 Timothy, chapter 4, chapter 4, verse number 14, I believe. Hallelujah. Y'all still here? Praise God. So Paul again writing to Timothy, he says, Neglect not the gift, same word, that is, where is the gift? In you. Now which was, notice this, given thee. By prophecy, here's another way a gift could come to you. By prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, the elders of the church. So do you see, on more than one occasion, on more than one occasion, amen, amen, Paul told Timothy that there's a gift in you. More than one, right? And it, you got it through these impartations of your spiritual parents. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And he said, you got to stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Stand to your feet if you would. Praise God. Let me, as I'm ministering by faith here, walking by faith here, let, give me a moment. Just raise your hands. Just, you know, 
not maybe up high, just extend a palm toward heaven like me. Close your eyes. Give me a chance to hear from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, what do I do now? I'm so dependent on you. I know we need to work in this special project's offering. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory.